All right, Poker Tov. Today's daf is uh, Samichvav, 66, and we pick up at the very top. And the uh, Gemara is having an interesting question, discussion, which is we've been talking about what happens if you need the blood spills or one of the uh, one of the um, or one of the uh, goats die, and you have to bring another one or one of it gets lost, the goat or the cow. What do you do with the one that's left over? So there's a debate between Rebbe and the Chachamim. The Chachamim say you let it graze. A chatas hatzibur, a communal chatas, you let graze even if you wound up using a different one. And Rebbe says you let it die. And the Gemara's question is based on a position of Rabbi Yehuda that says if you gave money for the shekel um, and it wound up that you found the old money that was given that you can advance that money towards next year why not even though you sanctified this animal for this year this cow or this goat why don't you just leave it for next year so you can't use it this way leave it for next year so the Gemara has been going back and forth with different answers. Some work for the cow, some work for the goat. It has to say it's Xavra. The most recent answer seems to be the most obvious, that at least for the goat, um, if by next year, it'll be more than a year old. And the goat has to be within a year. It's such an obvious answer. You wonder why the Gemara didn't give it up front. And then the Gemara even says even a stranger thing, which is that, oh, it's Xavra, it won't be a year old. So the Gemara says, who needs Xavra? It won't be a year old. It won't be a year old. <laughs> so it says, well, Rebbe, who says that when you sell a house in a walled city, it go, because the church says Shanat Mima full year you go by a soul year theoretically it's possible sometimes that the goat itself will be within its first solar year so you have to say Xero which is strange number one why deal with such a far-fetched case um, and number two since when, do, uh, since when does Rebbe say um, that that applies to the age of animals he says it's specifically about a walled city and you want to take Xero you'd fundamentally say it won't be a year old so there's one case in a million that it will be a year old so okay that's low plug Anyway, that's the base, so it's not exactly clear why the Gemara focuses on that, but the basic answer is the reason you can't use the goat for next year is because it won't be a year old. But the Gemara is not done, so we pick up on the top of Samachvav Ahmed Aleph. Let's take a look. Top of the first line. Hatenich Seir. That explains why you can't use the goat for next year. Par Ma'ikalameimar. What about not using the ox for the next year? Although the Gemara before said maybe the reason not to use the pox, the ox was re- was really Xera because maybe the coin uh, Gadol would die and then it would be an ox that the owners had died. So the Gemara says no Xera Par Atzisir. We won't let you use the ox for next year because you might come to use the goat and the goat has the problem that it'll be more than a year old. But the ox is good as long as it's three years um, within three years now there's even a question about that as well because um, the ox also has to be within a specific age um, it can't be too young because then it's called an agel then it's called a calf not an ox but um, based on different versions of a Mishnah and Para, there seems to have been a range, maybe between two to three years or three to four years. There's a position of Rebbe Mayer that uh, three years and up, no matter how old it is. So somehow you have more latitude by an ox how old it is. So why is that an issue of using it next year? And the Gemara now says it's a But the Gemara is still not happy. It says, Umishum Gzeira Yomus? Just because of this type of Xera, Tosos has a long discussion that there might be other Xeras that are more reasonable that will say, let the animal die. But this Xera, which seems pretty far-fetched, this one, you're going to say it has to die? The oath? And now saying, even let's get back to the goat. You said the reason not to use the goat next year and to have it die is because it'll be more than a year old. But actually, 
once it's more than a year old, if it's too old, Azla, it doesn't it's the normal halacha by that, even by a private chatas, is not that it dies, but that it's set out to pasture. The Amarish Lucky, because Rach Lucky says, Shnasa, if you have a chatas that the reason you can't bring it as a korban is because it's more than a year old. So it's not like that's some intrinsic invalidity in the animal and therefore it has to now be let die like you do by other chathases you can't bring. It's more like it's inaccessible. This is a sort of a way, a metaphor for describing it as being inaccessible. You see it as if it's standing in a cemetery. Viroa, and you let it graze, but you, don't, you can't use it, but it's not like it's some psul in validity. Now, it's funny that the Gemara takes that for granted because often the list of the five chataos that die, one that is more than a year old, is on that list. But that is debated. Rachel Lachish says that just because it's more than a year old, you don't let it die. So the Gemara says right now, again, the question is, why does Rebuda say if you didn't use the goat, you let it die? Um, you let it die? We know, until now, we've been focusing on the fact that he says a communal chatos, you let die, and it's not like the rabbis say you let it graze. But you might say, I still won't get why you let it die. Why not hold it over and use it to next year? So the first answer is, well, because it'll be more than a year old. And even though that's not a concern by the ox, but we put them all in the same category. But now the Gemara is saying, first of all, I'm still unhappy about the ox. It's just a gzera. You shouldn't let it die. And number two, even if you've explained to me why you can't use it next year, because it'll be more than a year old, but even by private sacrifices, at least according to a shlokish, we don't let them die when they're too old. We, let, we just let them graze. So we still don't get why, just because you didn't use it, you let it die. Either let, use it next year, or even if there's a concern that it'll be too old by next year, let it graze, don't let it die. So let's see what the Gemara's answer is. And now the Gemara says what Michael was asking yesterday. El Amar Rava, so here's what Rava says. Here's the reason you don't wait till next year to use these animals. Gzeira mishum takala. It's a concern of stumbling, meaning it's a concern that you will come to accidentally misuse it. You have this animal waiting around the whole year to be used next year um, that we're afraid that you're going to come to accidentally derive benefit from it and transgress. The tiny return on the bright up. Ein makdishin, the ein marichin, the ein machrimin bizmanazeh. You don't sanctify animals for either for better kabayas or for korbanot. You don't. Ma'arich is also the way of, a, of accepting upon yourself to pay the value of something, the hektesh. Um, and you don't, um, and you're not machrim, um, which is also, which is another term to use, which also transfers objects, sanctifies objects for the temple treasury. Nowadays, you don't do that. Vim hiktish, v'herich, v'hachrim. So in the simple sense here, we're not talking about korbanot. I said makdish is korbanot, but actually makdish is general hektesh to better kabayas. If you sanctify anything nowadays to better kabayas, uh, what do you do? So behema, if it's an animal, te'aker, you let, you basically, you uh, literally, you um, like um, uh, hobble it, or not hobble, you, you hamstring it. Thank you, that's the word. We'll see what that means in a minute. The Gemara will describe that. But basically, you either let it be destroyed, you, you, you let it go to waste, or you actually physically destroy it. Payers Ksus Vekalim, well, we'll talk about carbon in a minute. Fruit and, uh, and uh, clothing, Yerkavu, you let rot. So you don't actively destroy it, but you let them rot. 
Maus b'klei matachot, monies and um, and uh, metal objects. Yoli chanali yamamelach. You throw it into the Dead Sea. Now it's actually an interesting phrase here because it says yoli chanaa. The chanaa normally means you transfer the value to some money and you throw it. Why this? You transfer the value. The other stuff also why not transfer the value? And Tosus actually asks that question. Tosus says, why do you have to let these? Uh, Stuff, you know, rot. Why not just transfer Kedusha? If it's not a Korban, you can transfer Kedusha. Transfer Kedusha to some money. There's actually even another teaching that nowadays, since the actual treasury is not going to uh, benefit from it, there's no treasury to give it to, you can actually transfer it in a way that's not of equal value. So you have something of $1,000, you transfer it to $1, but Hectish isn't losing out. It's just, if you would, the the metaphysical status of Hectish. It's not actually the the money is going to the base of the there is no base on such fun nowadays and take that one dollar and throw it into Yam HaMelech so Tosa says there actually are some cases where we do that but here we don't and presumably one of the reasons we don't is not just we want to make you avoid in this particular case misusing it we want to actually there to you know there there to be something punitive we want actually it to be um, you know to prevent people from getting in the habit of doing this so we don't make it too easy maybe punitive was too harsh a word but anyway we don't make it too easy to solve the problem. So, you, so anyway, the phrase here is Hana'ah is a little strange. It could be that in this case it really just means you throw the whole thing into Yama Melech. So why do you do that? Now, the Gemara says, wait, we're not done. The Ezu Ikor, what does it mean to hamstring? So it doesn't literally mean to disfigure the animal. But no does the Fanavi Mesa You lock the door in front of it, you lock it in a pen, and you let it die. So you basically don't too much actively destroy it. You let it go to waste because that would also be a concern about bizarion hektesh. I mean, you know, you know, dis- disregard of hektesh to actually take something that's sanctified and to physically destroy it. Uh, so, um, so, you, but you let it go to waste. Exactly what it means by the metal case. You actually throw it in the Yamamelech, not clear. But anyway, the basic point is you do something to actively make it so that you have no access to it and it's going to get destroyed and it's going to go to waste. Why? So it shouldn't be sitting around thank you so much it shouldn't be sitting around and you should come to misuse it so you see that that's a concern so they're here also your question is just wait till next year at least that's your concern by your ox by the goat maybe we get it but anyway but the go- even the goat the question is just let it graze our answer is no we don't want it hanging around because you're going to get to be misused and therefore we're going to put it in a situation where it just dies and that's why we say Mesa so now I'll take the questions in the middle, but that's just the, the Mermite already asked some of your questions. So Gemara says, one minute. Pekala demai, what, how, what, what type of stumbling, misuse are we concerned about? Itakala de hakrava, if we're concerned that you might actually come and offer it as a sacrifice, this animal can't be a sacrifice. Why? Well, between now and next, because it was sanctified for, you know, a different purpose. And between now and next year anyway, so between now and next year you can't use it. And next year it'll be too old. So anyway, if the concern is you'll come to use it, misuse it as a sacrifice. So, so I don't get it. All sin offerings that you're not allowed to use and that we say, or all animals that you're not allowed to use, and we say let them graze until they get a blemish and transfer the value, right? That's what we say about a number of animals that for some reason you couldn't use it. We say let it graze, it'll get a blemish, you'll transfer the value. Why aren't we concerned that you'll come to, you know, misuse it? Why, are we, why do we let those graze and we don't let this graze? 
So the Gemara says, so ita kalda krava, a few kovra So let's say there's another concern. Not you might actually offer it even though it can't be used right now in the interim. We're concerned you'll misuse it like I said. You'll come to uh, hear it or you'll work it and you'll get benefit from it. Same question. So all animals that we say you wait, let them graze till they get a blemish. Let's be concerned that in the interim you'll come to misuse it. So the old man says, Yeah. The concern is like you said, you might come to accidentally offer it and it's not you know, fit to be offered because it's certainly it's not next, the next Yom Kippur, even if we bracket the concern of the age. So the Gemara says, Hanach to Lavnek Ravaninu Lotaribu. Those that you'll never be able to bring a certain type of a animal that you have to let get a blemish and you'll transfer the value. And this animal itself, nobody is ever suggesting that you could bring this animal itself. The most you could do is transfer the value. So you like ignore them. You put them out the pasture. You're not even thinking about them. They're not even. It's not even possible to bring the animal itself. So you're not. You're not sort of uh, you know involved in them. Um, uh, one minute. Um, but low tarbu, hacht basakrava. This one that you're saying that by next Yom Kippur you'll be able to bring. So tariba, you're still uh, involved in it. You're still your mind is still on it, um, and therefore you might accidentally you're still thinking. Ah, oh, next Yom Kippur I'm going to bring it. Next Yom Kippur I'm bringing it. You're constantly thinking about about using it, so it might be on your mind. So you might come to accidentally use it even before Yom Kippur for a, for a different korban. I know, I know. I don't really get this. Okay. So the basic answer is the following. Let's just stop back and say what the answer was, and then you can ask me all your questions. So, the case of the goat, that won't be usable next year. That's easy. So that won't be usable next year. So we understand why you don't hold it over till next year, because it won't be usable. Um, and there you can't also say Takala, because we've just decided it's not usable next year. So the case of the goat, that's why you have to let it die. Now, what do you do about Reish Lakish that says an animal that's more than a year old, um, you're going, you know, you let, uh, you let graze and you don't let die. It's not so clear how we've answered that with the case of the goat. We'll get back to that in a minute. The case of the cow, of the ox, that, although in theory you could left, wait to hold over and use next year, we're saying we don't want you to because if we let you wait until next year, you're going to accidentally come to bring it sooner. You know you have it set aside as the animal that you're going to use for next year. Your mind is on it, and therefore we're afraid that you are going to come to misuse it and you'll use it even earlier, whereas animals that are never going to go to the Mizbeach, you just put them out to pasture, and therefore you let them, um, and therefore what do you call it, and, and you don't think about them, and therefore we're not concerned about misuse. Use. That's the Gemara's answer. Now, um, well, let me take some questions. Yeah, Michael, you, you, no, you're... Uh, okay, Rivka. I want to understand what there's no Yeah, yeah, we seem to completely forget about Star Valley Chaim issues in this context. Very, yeah. Um, shocking yeah. that they are instituting such extreme cruelty on the off chance that somebody might make right. a mistake, therefore... They're telling you to torture, to, to torture the venom. Yeah, I know. I, uh, Whereas some of them get out of pasture in a way like to see where some of them go on to lead a happy life. They're not sacrificed. They just are intact. You know. Yeah, and pasture until they get a mum. I'll left to die. Left to die. So I have a real problem. With yeah, it's true about all the cases about the chatas hamesa until now. Even before we talked about this, which is with the color concern, every time we say that a private chatas that you didn't bring has to be let die, that's basically what we're talking about. 
Yeah. And what does that mean? Their families are hearing the animals crying, starving, right? Pain. Is that, is that well, presumably the base Amikdash takes yeah. it over once it's been sanctified and told so to let die. Well, I don't know, in the temple, somewhere on temple grounds, wherever temple has its pasture grounds. Yeah. How can tolerate it? In light of holiness. Yeah, no, you're right. It's very disturbing because you're exactly right. You know, it's sort of like these uh, ritual concerns of sanctity, whatever, overriding, you know, sort of basic uh, issues of empathy and, you know, and, uh, you know, moral sensibilities. I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. I, I don't have an answer for it. You and know. Right. Right. Look, I will say that. Right. 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 Look, um, you know, some of the Vishonim do bring evidence from this or similar cases, like this case of Teakir specifically, they make reference to, in terms of uh, de- demonstrating that sometimes the halacha that of, of, the, of Tsar Balechayim can be overridden for, uh, for like legitimate purposes, human concerns. And they talk about it like you know, let's say animal experimentation in terms of in terms of in terms of medical necessity and so on. Well, the argument is is that the same way you can the same way you could do it for you know for like uh, the same way you could do it for uh, testing cosmetics. I'm not sure you agree with that either, but you know, but you know, if you could use animals for those types of purposes and and allow them to suffer, you know, you can do it for. Well, it's helping them in the sense of ritual observance. How? Uh, what? How? 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 So by preventing them from sinning, by preventing them from transgressing. I understand. I understand. It, I, it's a problem. Yeah, though. I, I don't really have an answer to that, Rivka. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. I have a very mundane question. What's the difference between Kaleem and Kaleem? Oh, Kaleem are like uh, just vessels. Like, um, no, Kaleem is using clothing. No, 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 no. But it could also be like clay matechot, like metal vessels. It could okay, be like... Did reference that in the difference? No, they didn't. Where? They had clay matechot, metal ones. What about my pot? What about my uh, dishes? Fine. So the Kaleem... Uh, yeah. And any type of utensils, right. Okay. But I have to tell you, I don't even fully understand this answer either. Number one, I don't understand how it solved the race Lakish, who said that even after a year, you let it graze, so you don't let it die. So then, I'm still trying to figure this out. Let's think, because the goat, it's not fit for being brought. It can only graze, because after a year from now, it will no longer, it'll be too old. I mean, it'll be too old, right? So it's like any animal that won't be fit, that you let graze. We don't have this concern that you're going to bring it, and therefore you're more likely to misuse it, um, number one. And uh, we still haven't answered why you let it die. It should be let graze. So I don't understand. It answers the ox. But according to the ox, if we let it stay around, it'll be fit for being brought next year. Because it's fit for being brought, we're concerned that that'll lead to misuse. Although, as was pointed out, that's quite ironic. But the goat, you know, it, it will never be fit for use. So why shouldn't that be like any animal that's not fit for use for you that graze? Unless we're rejecting race luckish, and unless we're saying that even more than a year old, you have to let die. So I still don't fully uh, get the answer. Issues, though, yes. You, you can't, I don't think a person can make a, um, a, a, a pragmatic in other words, you can't introduce pragmatics into an ethical argument. In other words, in this worldview, there's something metaphysical at stake. Just like in a biological, natural sciences worldview, there's something physical at stake. So if a person claims cruelty should trump everything else, you can't be cruel. You can't derive benefits on the coattails of cruelty. So then that's the ethical argument that would, should apply to experimentation with animals 
as well as this type of situation. Here we don't buy into the metaphysics of it. But in this worldview, the metaphysics was as real as the sciences for us today. <laughs> I mean, I'm not disagreeing with no, you. I I'm just trying to look at the structure of the but argument. I just want to point out what we're saying when we set the instead of ourselves. Light, blood, dumb, epic, and all. Right. And we are, it's like we're giving ourselves to God. It's a very high, you know, on a metaphysical level, that's fine. But this is to take that as right. an animal, instead of sacrificing it, to torture it. Right. Right. It is very difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult. You know, I think Dove is right in terms of the mindset. Right. Okay. I, I, we now the problem. Let's let's go on. Yeah. One Have any of the archaeologists found coins at the bottom of the desk? No, I don't know. Okay. So the question is like this: For Takala Atma. The Takala Atma Tanahi, the debate of whether we're concerned about Takala by an animal that you have to let wait over, you know, and, um, and that you might want to hold over for the next year. As we said, normally when you sanctify things, Lebedeca bias nowadays destroys them. When you sanctify it for a korban, when there was a Beit HaMikdash and you let it graze to get a blemish, that's fine. Let it graze. We've created now a new category that sanctifies something that can be used later and holding it over till it can be used is different than letting it graze to get a blemish and that type of a thing we are concerned of misuse and that type of a thing of an animal we would say let die that's the new idea we've just put out there that's the issue about the goat and the ox don't wait till next year if you don't hold it over for use holding it over for use is a concern of stumbling and therefore you have to let it die so the says that itself is a debate of Tanayim Titania we turn to the Brisa Titania Chada Pesach Shilokar Rishon if you have a Corbin you sanctify for Pesach and you didn't bring down Pesach Rishon give it to somebody who needs a Pesach Shani who's going to be bringing it in um, ER and you have to give it to him but Shani if it wasn't brought on Pesach Shani use it for the next year now how do you use it for the next year how is it still within a year old so um, let's assume that it was I don't know according to Rebbe it's not a, a solar year okay um, the Tanya Edoch we taught in another bright don't use it for the next year my love it's a Kalapligi must be they debate this issue of stumbling can you hold it over for a year to use it a year later so it's not that it's going to graze to get a blemish um, where we allow it's not that a kabayas which we explicitly say you do destroy it it's a korban that you want to hold over for a year and here it's debated so maybe that's the issue do we let you hold the korban over for a year so the Gemara says Lo, that's not necessarily the, the, the debate Everybody says we're not concerned of stumbling. Well, you could have said the opposite here. So everybody says we are concerned. But anyway, I guess everybody says we're not concerned of stumbling. Normally, you would hold a korban over for a year. That's not a concern. The same way you would let a korban graze and you're not concerned, you'd hold it over for a year. The hacha Here's a different debate. The lokasha. Because as I said, how do you get a Pesach a year later that's still a year old? So the issue isn't, uh, can you hold it over for a year? No, you're concerned of misuse. The question is, can you get a Pesach a year later that's still a year old? So you can only get that according to Rebbe that says you go by the solar year. So the one that said you can wait till next year, held like Rebbe, you go by the solar year, and it's possible next year it'll still be a year old. Whereas according to the Rabbanan, of course you can't use it next year. It's not going to be, it's going to be more than a year old. So the Gemara says, that explains that writer. But, Satanya, we have a, another writer that says, V'chim 
Similarly, if you sanctified money for a Pesach, there's a debate. Do you hold the money over for next year or do you not? So if you sanctified money, why shouldn't you hold it over for next year? You see, the debate is, is whether there's a concern of misuse. If you want to hold it over for next year, is there a concern of misuse? Shmamina. So that is a good argument. So what we see is the following, that when it comes to sanctifying things nowadays, where you have to hold it indefinitely till there's a base of Mikdash for forever, you sanctified something for the temple treasury, so an indefinite sanctity is going to be sitting it around your house and sanctified, there there's a clear concern of misuse, there you have to destroy it. But what about you sanctify something not nowadays when there's no base of mikdash? When there is a base of mikdash and you sanctify it for korban and you can't use it. So if the idea is just wait till it gets a blemish and it's something that you're putting out of your mind, if it can't be used anymore, put it out the pasture, wait till it gets a blemish, you're not gonna, you're not gonna use it. That, everybody, be fine, do it, wait till it gets a blemish. We're talking about a middle category that on the one hand it's not like sanctity nowadays where there's no end in sight. It's not like the case of being put out the pasture where it's out of your mind because it's not fit for use anymore. It's just an issue of holding it over for a year. You sanctified an animal, can't use now, use next Yom Kippur, right? Or you use next Pesach. You sanctified money for Pesach, don't use it this Pesach, use it next Pesach. So you've got a year that you can't use it, but you will use it at the end of a year. Is that type of a thing a concern that we are afraid that in the interim you might misuse? And that's the issue of Takala, that we're saying in this case of money for the Korban Pesach. We see clearly it's a concern of not how old the animal is, but are we afraid you'll misuse it? So again, at the extreme, out of your mind, out the pasture, never going to be brought as a korban, no problem. Or the other case, it's money sanctified nowadays, object sanctified nowadays, there's nothing to do with it. There's no base of mikdash. Clearly, that does represent a very serious problem. How about something that's sanctified that you will use, but you'll use not now, a year from now? And that's the debate of is there a concern of takala or not? And that has to do with the answer, or the partial answer to Rabbi Yehuda, of even if you can't use the ox and the goat, why not just use it next Yom Kippur? Okay, now we turn finally back to the Mishnah and back to the actual Avoda on Yom Kippur. So we had, remember, done with the coin, doing all of the blood of the ox and the goat on the inside, on the Kodesh Kadashim. First he did the incense. Then he did all of the blood in the Kodesh Kadashim. Then on the Parochet. Then on the Mizbeach. Then he spilled the blood on the base. Then it says he came to the goat. So we had taken a step back to talk about, again, the two goats and the drawing of the lots and, and all of those issues. Um, and now we once again um, and what happens if one of the goats die it's a whole thing about pairing it and doing the lottery again and the whole thing but now finally we are done with the blood done with the ketoreth and we're finally up to the goat this year HaMishaleach that gets sent away so let's take a look Balo he comes to the goat that is going to be sent away he puts his two hands on it and he says the vidui, the confession. Um, and here's what he would say: Anashem, oh God, please God, please, have sinned, have uh, transgressed, have uh, rebelled. There's always the question about the order. You might remember that in the past, in the past, the Gemara had a, the Mishnah had a different order. The Gemara changed the order. If the original gears of this Mishnah probably was also a different order. You look at the side, you'll see it references you to the printed Mishnah or the you know the way it appears in the, in the Mishnayot which the order is actually different 
Okay, so that's the whole question about which of, what, what types of sins these refer to, um, unintentional, intentional, rebellious sins, and which order they're mentioned in. So you might remember that was a discussion before. Your people, Israel, have sinned before you. Please, God, please atone. The uh, sins, the iniquities, and the rebellious sins. That have sinned before you, your people, Israel. Is written in the Torah of Moshe, your servant. On this day, it will be atoned to you to purify you from all of your sins before God. You will be purified. Then the Kohanim and the people that were standing in the temple courtyard, when they heard the, uh, the God's explicit name emerging from the mouth of the Kohen Gadol, they would bow down and prostrate themselves and fall on their faces and say blessed is God's holy name forever and ever notice as opposed to our machzor it doesn't say right it's very dramatic in our machzor because you know then we have this whole like climax everybody bows down and then after you talk about this whole moment of bowing down he finishes the pasuk and says you'll be purified right? very powerful like climax to that declaring that they will be pure you know this doesn't happen I mean if they're bowing down at God's name then you do have then the sequence is right they bow down and then after as or after they're bowing down he says Titaru but you don't have it with that sort of dramatic description in this Mishnah the same way you do as we have it in our Machzor in our liturgy Okay. Um, yeah, okay. So, oh, okay. So that's, he said the vidoy. And we had the same description of the vidoy when he did it twice on his ox. But remember, he did not do a vidoy on the goat of the people that the blood was done on the inside. The vidoy that he does for the people on their goat is only on the second goat that gets sent away. Um, he handed over the goat to the person that would carry it, that would like run with it, you know, to outside of the Beit HaMikdash and over the cliff. Anybody could do this job of taking it to the cliff. So Rashi doesn't have the gears of Gedolim. Many people don't have the gears of Gedolim. The Kohanim made a practice. Kevat made like an established practice. They did not want to give this privilege to a Yisrael. So even though in theory it could have been done by anyone, you know, the Kohanim were the ones that made the rules. It was the base of Mikdash. So they said, we're not letting Yisrael do it. We're only doing a Kohanim. Am Reb Yossi said, Reb Yossi, Maisevo lichu arsula, some of arsula was a sin, mitziporin, mitziporin, and if you look at the side, some even say from, from, from Tzipori. So anyway, there was a story that this person, Arsula, once did it, the Israel Hayan, he was a Jew. He was a Israel, not a Kohen. So it wasn't true that it never let a Kohen, non-Kohen do it. Okay, so they gave it to the person who would, by practice, by generally be a Kohen. The Kevesh, Asulo, Mitnea Bavloim, and they would make a ramp to carry it out on because of the Babylonians. What's the Babylonians? Shahayu Matalshim Besa'arel. They would pull on his hair. Whose hair? Presumably the hair of the guy running with it. Could be the hair of the goat. But anyway, they pull on his hair. And say to him, Tovet say, Tovet say, take it and get out, take it and get out. I don't know how pulling his hair is going to help him get out quicker. It's going to hold him back. But anyway, they would, they would, anyway, so they give, they, right, get rid of our sins. So they'd give him a hard time. So they wanted to give him a safe, 
sort of exit so they made like a protected ramp that he could run off on that nobody would have access to so the people wouldn't be sort of yelling at him and you know and attacking him again I don't know I don't know I don't know who they are anyway the other possibility of the other use of a ramp I should say is you know the temple mount right there's like values right by it so you know you have the temple mount here like you know Mount Olives is like here right and there's the whole isn't this not what this is this is Nahal Kidron, right? Yeah. In the valley here. So again, if the ramp was this way, right, it lets you get over that whole valley and get to... Um, I, that, I think they use that ramp like that for the, for the Karaduma to yeah. go over, so to get because they did the Paraduma on Harazetin. So anyway, so it, couldn't, it could be that it's not just to protect him, it's also to give him a quicker access, you know, out. Yes. I'm thinking it's to get around, to get around the steps that you have to get go up to get to the Azar. Well, the same basic point, right? Yeah. You're at this elevation, and a ramp will help you get like over to the next mountain without having to go down the whole way. All right. So now let's take a look. Let's take a look at the Gemara. The Ilubene Aranam Kedoshecha Lokama. So now becomes this whole interesting question we raised before. Which, what thing is atoning for whom for what? So here, when he does the goat that's being sent off, he only mentions Bnei Israel. He doesn't mention the Kohanim. So, Man Tana, who is this Tana? So, I'm a Reb Yirmiya, said Reb Yirmiya, the look Reb Yehuda, it's not like Reb Yehuda, the Reb Yehuda Ha'amar, Reb Yehuda says, Yeshlehem Kapara, B'Siyar Mishaleach, that even the Kohanim are atoned for, for with B'Siyar Mishaleach, it's not just for Yisrael. And here you don't mention the Kohanim, so it sounds like it's just for Yisrael. So, Abayamar, Fiyotema, Reb Yehuda, even if it's Reb Yehuda, Atu, Kohanim, Labichal, Amchi Yisrael, you know, even though he didn't send, single them out, Maybe, Doctor, the reason not to single them out is because this represents the totality of the people. That for issues of Tumas Miksash, maybe they have different, you know, identities and different categories. But for the rest of the sins, the whole point is to emphasize that they're all one people. So you don't want to single them out separately. Okay, so that's, so it's not clear whether they were or not included. You cannot prove anything from their lack of being identified. If anything, you could argue that that's uh, exactly to indicate they're all in the same group. So to remind you, by the way, about what the different things did, right? So the debate, so you had, right? So you had the par bisnim, right? And you had the seir bisnim. So what did those do? So, so that because they're bisnim, right? Remember, we had to, you know the Torah says the chipers mikdash hakodesh. It's all about atoning. We've discussed many times that what it really, you know, and what it, in, in the pshatas of sukim, it's this metaphysical cleansing, this national level of creating the ability for God to dwell within the people. But from Chazal's perspective, it translates much more personally for personal sin to atone for the sin that people have done, not for the you know tumah and removing the tumah but for cleanse the sin and for the specific sin this whole big ritual is to focus on one type of a sin that was done which is the sin of entering the mikdash when you are tamay so these things do what these are for us for tumat mikdash but not again not cleansing the mikdash but the sin of tumat mikdash according to Chazal and this is for the Kohen Kohanim and this is for Yisrael okay, that's agreed upon so and then you have the Seir HaMishaleah so the easiest thing to say about the Siyam Yishaleach is about the other 612, <laughs> right? All other sins. Okay? And it's for everyone. Kohanim, you know, it's for Yisrael plus Kohanim. Yisrael, which includes Kohanim. 
Okay, that's the easy idea. This is this is Tumat Mikdash, whether the sin of Tumat Mikdash or the metaphysical reality of Tumat Mikdash, and this is for everybody else and for everybody's sins. Okay, that's a nice way of thinking about it. But to remind you, the alternative is to say no, because this gets a vidoy plus the dam, you know, plus the ritual dam. This only has the dam, and this has a vidoy and no dam, right? So, there's a lack of parallel here. This gets a vidoy and this doesn't. So that leads another opinion to say that even the Kohanim's kapara for the other 612 is different. And this vidoy is the 612, all the other sins, right, the other sins for the Kohanim. And that this vidoy is for the, the yeah, I call it the 612, the other sins for for Yisrael. So according to that idea, you actually have that all of the Kohanim sins have, you know, have a different kapara. It's all about the blood on the inside. And this whole ritual is just for Yisrael. Which I find, you know, more disturbing because it singles out the Kohanim, you know, even in their non-Mikdash capacity to have a special atonement for their other sins. And that this whole dramatic thing is just for Yisrael. So the Kohanim are always treated like in this different way. The power of this is, is that what this speaks towards is that the Vidoy by itself, right, not the bringing of the blood, just the Vidoy, achieves atonement. And as we pointed out when we learned that last time, you know, that's a major transition away from the Mikdash ritual. It's not about the blood. What gets the whole kapara for all of the other sins of the Kohanim is the Vidoy. Right, and the complete moving away from the focus on the Hakrava and how much is achieved just by the Vizuai. And you'll remember when we discussed the Siyar Mishalech as well, we discussed yesterday, it could drop dead once you've done the Vizuai. Now, according to what opinion, even without doing the Vizuai, just doing the lots, but that it actually, after the Vizuai, it could even drop dead and you're done. So again, part of what we're seeing here is the difference between Karnin and the people, and how much the Karnin have a separate kapara from the people, even in other sins, which probably is disturb. You know, to me feels like a is it, you know is a disturbing concept. What exactly that signifies? It's one thing to say in their mikdash role. What does that signify in terms of the other aspects? But the other interesting thing we're seeing is the move towards the focus on the vidoy, which really also sort of is that whole move, of, you know, shifting us towards a post type of a mikdash reality. Okay, that's that approach. But the simpler approach, which we're talking about now, is not to focus on the Vidui, not too much distinguishing the Kohanim, that this is about the Tubas Mikdash, and that's where they're different. This is about all the other sins, that's all of Klai Yisrael together. So, yes. You're saying that according to that second approach, which you just now surveyed, the Vidui was the 612 for the Kohanim, and not for 200 Mikdash? No. What? What kind? What'd you say? You're saying that according to that second approach, yeah, yeah, the dab was for Tumat Mikdash. The Vidoy was for 613. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the Vidoy is right. Right. For Klai Yisrael. For 612. Yeah, because the the dab there is still for right. Okay. All right. Okay. So Masuni Shemaliko handed it to the one that was going to carry it. Tanur Abanan, a rabbi taught. Ish, so it says, if it's you should send it away in the hands of a ready person. Even an Ankohen, any man. Iti, ready, I don't know, designated, uh, prepared. Like, say, hey, Mizuma, that he should be, you know, prepared. 
Now, eight means time, so it's sort of like the word, you know, bimoado, so it means that it could override other concerns. It could even be done on Shabbat. We'll see what, why we need to say that. Et in its time, like the word bimoado, so here too, it has to be done in its time, even on Shabbat, even bimoado. Now we're going to analyze this. Pita, obviously, a non kohen can do it. It's not an afod in the base of Mikdash. It says kapara. It says right that this thing is kis kapara. So therefore, maybe it's like an avodah kamash not. And you know, it's similar to the whole issue about like the paraduma outside of the Beit Hamikdash, right? What do you do about things that are somewhat korban related, but they're not in the Mikdash? So this, at least the paraduma, you know, it might be called a chatat and whatever, but the blood is sprinkled towards the Mikdash, towards Hashem, and that's you know one thing. This is going la'azazel. This is the whole point. Is it's not going la'ashem. It's going away from the mikdash. It's going la'azazel. So that you don't need a kohen. But again, the fa- possibility that maybe you would, I want to remind you, the Gemara also discussed the idea it has to be eight days old. It can't have a blemish. So how much that while the Torah is clearly sort of saying one goes Lashem and the other goes Lazazel, so you might want to dafka make it not so much, like not like a Korban, right? The Gemara is still pointing out that there are some criteria that are similar, right? The eight days, no blemishes. So here it says maybe you would have even as needed a Kohen, but that it says not. Okay, so... E.T. Shabbat in its time even on Shabbat Why do you have to tell me even on Shabbat? I mean, if you could do it on Yom Kippur, you could do it on Shabbat. And anyway, what violation of Shabbat might you have? So Amar of Sheishes Tchumim is It says Rav Sheishes Lomashim Hayachole Makivok Tefo to tell you that if the animal was sick, you could carry it on your shoulders. You could be. You could. You could be. You could. Uh, you know. You could do carrying on Shabbat in order to get it to go off the cliff. So the Gemara says, one minute, why, does, why, is that, why, why do you need a Pasuk to tell me that? Kiman, this is going to look Rebbe Nassan. Rebbe Nassan, Rebbe Nassan, Ha'ama, Rebbe Nassan says, that if you carry a living person or a living animal on Shabbat, you don't violate Shabbat. It's not rabbinically it's a problem, but biblically you don't violate Shabbat because we say a living being carries itself. Okay? To help partly support its own weight. So therefore, no. So therefore, this animal partly supports its own weight. So therefore, you shouldn't violate. So there should be no Kiddush that you could do it on Shabbat. So the Gemara says, uh, Even Rabbi Nathan would agree that there is a violation of Shabbat here. Why? Cholashani. If it's sick, it's different. If it's sick, then it is more like not carrying your dead weight, not carrying its own weight, and therefore it is an issue, which raises interesting questions, you know, about carrying an infant. And what age is an, do we say that it's not enough that something is alive, it has to be more, you know, mobile or able to hold its own weight in order to not be this biblical problem and only get you down to a bidding problem. So that's an interesting question in Shabbat, but we see that it's not true that every live thing is considered to be no say that's mo. Um, if it is sick, we don't say that. So there is a Shabbat violation. One second. So the Gemara's the question is going to be, that's all very nice that, there's a sh- that there could be a Shabbat violation and the puzzle has to allow it, but what makes Shabbat different than Yom Kippur? You know, you would have allowed it on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur has the same restrictions. Why do you need a special puzzle for Shabbat? So the Gemara says, um, I'm a Rafram, says Rafram, Zos Omeret, the fact that you needed a Pusuk for Shabbat tells you, Erev the Hosha'alu Shabbat, that there is a idea of Erev, now that's rabbinic, the real point about this is the second word, Hosha'ah. There are, is a biblical restriction, Malacha, of carrying on Shabbat, 
and therefore the rabbis needed to institute Erev because you're dealing in a realm where there's restrictions of carrying and here's the real Kiddush on Yom Kippur there's no prohibition at least biblically of carrying and therefore no need of rabbinic Erev it's like Yosef there's no, there's no restriction of carrying how do you know that? because because if there were the rabbinic, if there were the biblical restrictions of carrying on Yom Kippur, you then whatever you didn't need this chiddush for Shabbat, you would need the chiddush for Yom Kippur to tell me you could carry it if the animal is sick. The fact that you're telling me you only need to tell it to me for Shabbat and not Yom Kippur means that on Yom Kippur there's no problem of carrying. Now that is the Gemara here yeah. makes that statement without challenging it, which That's is crazy. Yeah. Since yeah. when did we ever hear that you could carry on Yom Kippur? That Yom Kippur is the only reason you can carry on Yom Tov is because it's part of this whole thing about things that are related to food preparation, which you don't have a license for on, on, on Yom Kippur. So if you take a look at Tosfos, I'm a rough from Zosomeres. Tosfos says, I'm reading the Perak Amrula, we say in the Gemara in Krisos, that the, the Raphram Bidusahi, this statement of Raphram is like basically is a joke. It's foolishness. It's like completely, you know, not true. Right? The Parichalei, the Diomashani Siyami Shalech, the Achsher Biyomakipur Bekach. The reason you don't need a Pusik to tell me that if it was just Yom Kippur you could do it is because on Yom Kippur you're given license to do whatever is needed to do for the Avoda. The same way you can shech the animals on Yom Kippur for the Avoda. So it's not true that there, obviously you can't carry on Yom Kippur either. But it's not such a chiddish to tell me you can violate Yom Kippur to do the Avoda. Because you can violate, because, because the whole point is that this is a Avoda for Yom Kippur. So the Chiddush is that even if it's also Shabbat, although the restrictions are the same as Yom Kippur, but because it's specifically Shabbat, you might think you don't have particular license to do a Yom Kippur Avodah on Shabbat, and it's telling me that you do. So the Chiddush is that you can do it even on Yom Shabbat slash Yom Kippur, even if it requires carrying. And although Raphim says from here we can infer, since we needed to mention Shabbat, we can infer that there's no prohibition of carrying on Yom Kippur. Please do not be misled that way. There is a, a biblical prohibition of carrying on Yom Kippur. That is not the point. We're just singling out Shabbat to tell me that Shabbat, even though even though it's not, even though it's Yom Kippur avoda, and the overriding of Yom Kippur is more obvious, it can even override Shabbat if you need to carry it. Yes. So, so. is saying to read Rafram sarcastically? No, Bedusa does not mean he was sarcastic. Bedusa means that the later Gemara has completely rejected it. When you say that's a joke, okay, it means like it's not even a position worth think, worth considering. It's like you know that's what it means. So not that you were being sarcastic, right? And you rejected right. The Gemara has ignored him elsewhere. He's completely exactly rejected. Exactly. A fear that Sechola is still able to be carried out to the to Azazel, but it's here that the is not going to be shechted for the insight. Uh, right, although how sick is sick that it stops being legitimate for a korban is a good so point. They, if they can't walk, yes, yeah. they, that's right. probably right. a problem. Well, it has to walk a good <coughs> distance, but you, yes. You only use Well, okay, that gets like to an interesting know. question. Like we mentioned before about the category unblemished. Is right. there an idea of being ideal if you're sending it la zazel, right? Normal things we say about certain ideas about how fit the animal has to be is because you're bringing it to God. Hakiveo nalafecha secha, etc. 
So maybe that doesn't apply to Azazel. That's a good question. All right, let's keep on going. No, it's not a moon. It's a different concern about whether it's appropriate, which is the issue that Charlie just made, that it might not be appropriate as a korban, but it's still acceptable as Azazel. The lottery went to the lottery. got sick after the lottery. Not every sick can't be brought as a korban. Not running a little fever or whatever. Okay. So now the Gemara says like this. Um... Okay, it overrides Tuma concerns. For what purpose are we saying it overrides Tuma? So, what would be a case where there would be a Tuma concern? If the guy that you had designated to, send to, to, to carry it has become you can He can enter Tamei into the Azara and you can send it off, which is fascinating. You would just say, get another guy. So here's a fascinating idea that because it says E.T. like Mizuman, the guy has to be designated and ready. Presumably, once you appoint a guy, that can override even if he's Tamei, even though you can get another guy. Now, again, is it because of a concept like Tuma Hutrabitibor? We don't have to look for alternatives. Right? Remember, there was that idea how much you even have to care about alternatives. Or maybe it's, there's a special status of E.T. There's a special status of the guy that was originally designated, and he has more status, and therefore we, we're going to go with him, even if it means having to have him come to May into the base of the shop. Walk well, that's also the question. Why not have the Kohen Gadol walk to the edge of the other yeah. round here at him? But it says, the Shilachoto, you know, <laughs> sounds like the way the Torah describes it, that it's being done in the Azara. Entirely by him. Too. Yeah. Right. Right. Now we're going to have some interesting stories. They asked Rabbi Eliezer, if the, um, if the animal got sick, can he carry it on its shoulders, the Kohen Gadol? He said to them, you know, the animal can carry me and you. Okay, Whoa, what answer was that? So basically what we're going to see is, you might remember Rabbi Eliezer very much believed that, you know, that Torah that was just Misova just handing over what you learned from your Rebbe. And he never wanted to say anything he didn't hear from his Rebbe. So since, even though he knew the halacha here, this is the way Rashi says it, I'll tell you what the Marsha says in a minute, even though he knew the halacha, he didn't want to tell them because he didn't hear it from his Rebbe, so he gave them some, some silly answer. Yeah, what do you mean if he got sick? You know, it's a good, healthy animal. It can carry the two of us. Oh, he didn't mean a okay. person? Can, no, can carry no, we'll get to that. Um, Let's say the Shaliach got sick. What's the story? Can you have another person carry it? Amalami said to them, You know, you and I should be, have, should be in peace. It should all be good. What? Anyway, Let's he push it off the cliff. And it didn't die. Can he go after it and kill us? Amalahem, he said to them, This is how all your enemies should die, God, by being pushed off the cliff. All of these non-responses. The Chachamim Omim and the Chachamim say, if the animal got sick, markivo akseifo, carry it on your shoulders, like we said. If the guy that you sent it off got sick, so you were planning to send it with got sick, your shalchanabiyadachia. Have somebody else do it. If you put it off and didn't die, then you follow, go after it and you kill it yourself. Now, fine. That's, so it was a very bizarre responses. Um, and again, Rashi just says they really didn't mean anything. It was just a way of avoiding answering the question. The Marsha, 
has an interesting read. One minute, the Marsha, what did you say? Why record it then? Yeah, why record it? It's a good question. Just to show how far he would go not to give a straight answer. But the Marsha gives an interesting way of explaining that he actually is giving an answer, and his answer actually is different than that of the Chachamim. Okay? So remember, there was a question before, if it got sick, maybe that's a Shabbos violation, because maybe it's dead weight. So his first answer was, Yachol, uh, what was his first answer when he said, Yachol Atem, which means, like, if it's healthy and it can carry us, then we can carry it. But if it's sick and it can't carry us, then it's dead weight and then you're not allowed to carry it because it would be a violation that he actually is arguing on the previous position. Okay? And how about the issue about Chalam Shachol Mahushi Shachenu? So he actually, the Marishar has a, a slightly different suggest a slight change in the girsa. He says not Ehei B'Shalom Aniv but he changes the mem to a chet. Ehei B'Shiluach Aniv Why would you have to use the sick guy to send it off? Just, you know, you or I could go and, t- and could go and take care of it. Somebody else could go ahead and take care of it. Okay? And then the last one, what happens if it didn't die? He says, Ten Yovdu Koloidach Hashem. It's not going to happen. It'll definitely die. Okay? And the rabbis say, no, you can carry it. If he gets sick, he can appoint another person. The Marsha says the question of getting sick is, if he gets sick, who has to appoint the other person? Does the Kohen Gadol have to appoint the other person? Or can the Mishaliach, the guy who was given the job, can he make a substitute? So he wants to say that Rabbi Eliezer says, you or I can do it, meaning he can't make us a substitute. Let the Kohanim pick somebody else to do it. Let the Kohen Gadol pick somebody else to do it. And the Gemara's response is, no, the guy who was given the job, he can appoint the substitute. That raises, I think, an interesting conceptual question, right? Once you appointed this guy as the job, is it now his job? And if he can't do it, he can, he, can, he can pass it over to somebody else? Or no, if he can't do it, ultimately it's the Kohen's concern, Kohen Gadol, the base of Mikdash, and they, and they create the substitute. That's how the Marshal wanted to read, to read it and wanted to read that his response, you or I could do it, means he can't appoint the substitute. Any, somebody else could do it. Let the base of Mikdash figure out who's going to be the next person. Yeah. yeah two things. So one is, then, the point is that E.T. is the Kapsila, not the Medieval. Right, Medieval, even if you... Right, even if you... Right, even exactly, exactly, like, exactly. And then, um, who points this guy to begin with? That's yeah, that's so not clear. Clearly, somehow... Exactly. Well, that's what the Marshal says. But the, but this says, he is. Yishachenu biyaracher. The way the Marshal reads the debate is that he gets to choose who the next guy is. Okay. Now that we're having interesting answers of Rabbi Eliezer, not giving straight answers, we're going to have one other case. Show us Rabbi Eliezer. They ask Rabbi Eliezer. Is so-and-so going to get Olam Haba? Amalei, lo cheltuni ala ploni. Why are you asking me about, about that guy? Ask me about the other guy. Now, there's questions of Gersos. Other Gersos say, says that they said back to him, okay, what about the other guy? So he said, why are you asking me about the other guy? Ask me about the first guy. Right, which is just a way of constantly avoiding the question. Now, can you say, can the, now the Algiers is, can the shepherd save a lamb from the lion? Why didn't you ask me, uh, you only asked me about the lamb. How about asking me about the shepherd? So they said, fine. Can you save the shepherd from the lion? Why you only ask me about the shepherd? Ask me about the lamb. So now what is this about? So, what is this about? So Tosvos quotes Rabbi Nochanan with a brilliant explanation. He says, the first issue about, where they were asking about a guy he wouldn't give a straight answer to, the person they were asking was about Avshalom. Okay, that we're talking about issues about David Melech and Avshalom and so on, and Avshalom slept with David's Pilegesh, 
So is that a real case of adultery or not a case of adultery? He didn't want to give them a straight answer whether Absalom was going to get a Lamhaba. So maybe they switched the conversation and asked him about, okay, let's not talk about Absalom. Let's talk about Shlomo and Melech. Yeah, I can, you know, because of all of the wives here, whatever, and the four wives. Oh, why are you asking about Shlomo? Let's talk about Absalom. And then the question about the Tifsa, the Roa, and the Ari is great. He says, you know what that's talking about? Talking about Bakshava, Orya, and David. David is the Ari, the lion, who is coming to attack both the lamb, Bakshava, and the Roa, the shepherd, right, which is Orya. So it says, can you save the lamb from the lion? Like, was David committing adultery? Was this an act of, like, the lion attacking the lamb? You know, obviously it sounds like wow. it's adultery, but Chazal want to read it as though Orya had given a get or whatever. He says, well, why are you asking me about the lamb? Ask me about what David did to Orya, the shepherd. Okay, was that murder? What he did, you know, he had Orya killed. But again, Chazal want to read it like it was because Orya was a mori b'malchus, you know, and Orya was, you know, rejecting David's authority. They tried to justify what David did. Okay, so how about what the lion attacked the shepherd? Well, I asked me about the shepherd. Ask me about the lamb. So it will be constantly avoiding answering those hard questions. Okay. Mamzer Mau Li Rush. Can a Mamzer get Yerusha, get, inherit his father? Because as opposed to, you know, the common conception of bastard, and a bastard isn't a legitimate child and doesn't get inheritance, according to Chazal, a Mamzer is considered the recognized child of the father. He just can't marry, but he's a recognized child. So he says, Mauliyabim. So, okay, why are you asking me about Yerusha? Ask me about Yibum. So he says, okay, can he do Yibum if his brother dies? Why ask me about Yibum? Ask me about Yerusha is another version. But the basic answer is, we do know that he can do Yibum. Again, he has to do Chalitza because it's usher to marry. But he actually is in the category of seen as a brother for purposes of Yibum. And similarly, he's a brother for purposes of Yerusha. So that actually is an answer to that question, or a partial answer. Maula, so to say, tell can a person plaster his house? Meaning, is there a concern of Zechel Chorban that you're not allowed to plaster your house? That's the way Rashi reads the question. So he said, Maoli Sodas Kivro, why not ask me about plastering the, uh, the um, what do you call it? About pla- plastering the grave, okay? Which is, um, which Rashi does say, says, doesn't really explain what the significance about that is. The, the Bach says that it's questions about, that we're still talking about the moms there. Do you, do you plaster his grave? To, or, which was something they would do to honor the grave and do not so people understand that he was a mom's and his kids were a mom's there anyway so all of these things not because he's trying to distract them with other words which is exactly what it sounds like he didn't want to say something that he had never heard from his Rebbe so again the funny thing is okay that might be why he's distracting them with saying something else but it's not like he's not distracting them exactly Okay, let's just read a little bit more. I know we're over, but give me just two more minutes. Uh, a wise woman asked Rabbi Eliezer, Since everybody worships the Egel, why do they get different deaths? On the one hand, it says that they went through and they killed people by the sword, Moshe and Levi. And then it says that God smote the people and there was some type of... Uh, pestilence or gather and then it says that he made them drink the water that he ground up the ego and presumably that was like Sota where you know the Torah doesn't describe this but Chazal understand like you know like their stomachs exploded so why all these different deaths what merit is that Amar La he said to her ready Rifka Ein Chachma Isha El there's no wisdom for a woman except in her uh, shuttle, like the, the thing that you use for doing, uh, for doing uh, not knitting, uh, weaving, okay? Which is why they call the girls' school in Israel Pelach. Yeah, they do it as a intentionally ironic. 
All the wise women, they woe. So, you know, he says, what's a woman doing asking Torah questions? If you have any intelligence, you should go do weaving. Not a very positive attitude towards women. It also comes up in that whole famous mission, Sosa, of Kol HaMalamit Torah, and so on, that Rabbi Eliezer takes a very negative attitude. Um, I believe it's Rabbi Eliezer who says, Mutav Sheh, what is it? Mutav Sheh Yisrafu Dibay Torah Val Yimsuru Lenoshe. That is that words are supposed to be burnt rather than giving up to women. So he had an extremely negative attitude towards women. Also interesting to see his whole relationship with his wife. Um, lots to be said about that. Itma, now that we mentioned this question about why they got different punishments, we might as well answer it. We won't answer the woman, but it's a question that needs answering. So, rather the lady, the one that actually slaughtered animals to the, uh, to, to the Egel, which is real Avodazara, and burnt them up, that, they get killed with the sword, which is like the real, you know, execution. If they hugged and kissed the, uh, the uh, Egel, that's not, a, that's not an actual act of Avodazara. So, Bemisa, that's some divine death, you know. It's, uh, they died, but not through like an execution. If you were rejoicing in your heart, but didn't actually act upon it, that's when you would get this sickness and your stomach would flow from the waters. That was a more private type of a way. The Chadam, the other said, aiding the Hasrab, witnesses and warning. That's again like a, a, a court type of execution. The Sayyid, you get the sword. Aiding the Lohasra, witnesses without warning. The Misa, you get the heavenly death. Low in no witnesses and no warning, but you still did the worship, that broke and you would explode. Now again, why witnesses make a difference since in the end it wasn't tested, you weren't, you weren't warned and you couldn't be executed by the court. It might be similar to the whole idea of the drinking of the waters like the Sota, is because the Sota does her sin without any witnesses. The whole point of the Sota is there is no witnesses. So they want to leave that to the case of no witnesses. And maybe somebody who does it in front of people and with witnesses, even without warning, is a more serious sin. You're willing to do it in public, even though it's not yet fit for execution. Okay, last line, we'll end with this. Levi was never part of the Ege. And he said, And all of Levi gathered him. Yazi Ravina Vakamala Hashmaisa, so Ravina was saying this over. Aisway bin Ever Papa Bar Abla Ravina, so the sons of Rapapa asked him, Haomelavi Limolo, we see the Torah says that Lazy, right in the in the in the in Hazinu, would you know, ignored mother and father and and and, and you know and, and and children and was willing to defend God's honor. Well mother and father and children are all from Shavat Lazy. So how could you say none of Lazy sinned? Mark says, here's the answer. Avi doesn't literally mean his father. It means Avi Imam Yisrael, his grandfather through his mother, who was not a lady. Echov, his brothers, doesn't mean his, his, his brothers on his father's side. Echov Imam Yisrael means a half-brother on his mother's side who wasn't, who wasn't a lady. Banav, his children, that it says he didn't recognize them, he was willing to stand up for God's honor, doesn't mean directly his son, it means B'nai Bito Yisrael, his grandson through his daughter, who was a Yisrael and not a Levi, and that's but nobody from Levi actually sinned. Okay, for tomorrow. <laughs>